Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I'm here with a holiday season episode. Mariah Carey has officially started playing at your nearest target, and that means that a lot of you are probably thinking about what went right this year, what went wrong this year, and what you might be doing next year. So as we're kind of entering this time to consider what we're going to be changing about our businesses, and hopefully if, if you're not, this is probably a good time to start considering things, unless you're walking on water and, and law firm Shangri-La, I'm going to reveal some dark lord, you know, evil empire coaching consulting stuff here, because it's been something that we've been thinking about a lot. And I want to break into the different ways that people can potentially invest in their business and making sure that we're right-sizing this. I say this all the time, but there's really no one approach that's best for any function of your law firm that you can potentially do. There's only the right tool for the right job. So going into the kind of underbelly of the coaching consulting empire, right? So there's a concept that gets talked a lot about on this side of the table, which is classifying services as either DIY, do it yourself, DWI, done with you, or DFY, done for you. So we've historically with the agency run a done for you service, but recently I've gotten exposed to what it's like to help people in a DIY or a DWI capacity since we ended up launching the book in July. And it's been really, really interesting because I kind of always had the perspective that done for you was the most service that you could offer somebody. But I've seen some really awesome success with people that we've helped out through some of our products that would have been people that would make absolutely no sense to recommend a done for you program. So we've been a lot more open about recommending the right tool for the right job. But again, it's just because we really haven't had the perspective of what it looks like to do otherwise. And again, I know I'm just kind of talking about our own perspective, having run case fuel and stuff, but I really do think this is an important frame for everybody to take when you're considering any way that you want to help take your law firm to the next level. And again, you know, it's not just marketing. This is stuff like bookkeeping, hiring, any function that you can possibly think of, operations, sales, you name it. So there's different ways that you can do this. But the thing that's really interesting is since we've moved away from done for you, I've kind of realized that there's an interesting situation. Very few people, when presented with a done for you option, will want to look at the other ones, which I think is kind of an interesting bug in the current architecture of the coaching and consulting verse. But anyways, let's start with an analogy that everyone has probably gone through at some point, and we'll make it a little bit B2B. So let's say that you have to move your office across town to someplace else, right? So the options that you could potentially have would be you could pack everything up and move it yourself. You can get a dude with a truck uh, and you, the both of you can go ahead and, and move your stuff to where you need to get it to go. Or you can hire the movers where the whole team will take it for you. And then kind of going to the crazy side of things, when I used to live in New York, you'd see these insane cranes and stuff set up and it would be for, you know, whatever, celebrities who live on the 115th floor of some high rise building needing to get a piano up there and there's no freight elevator or something. Or, you know, there's people who have stuff dropped on a helipad or something like that, which would be kind of like the most advanced 
done for you kind of solutions, right? So there's no right answer for what's the best way to move. It is 100% contextual on how far you have to move, how much stuff you have to move, how much time window you have to move in it, and what you really have available to spend. So I remember when I was in college and I had a bunch of you know buddies, we'd basically help each other move all the time. And whoever was the guy who was getting the benefit of moving would you know, compensate everybody with a you know, pack of beers and you know, a couple of pizzas or something like that. But that was because we didn't have any money. Right? We had a lot of time and our backs were still really good. As time's gone on, I remember when I did my first you know, concierge move, I guess. It was when I was living with my girlfriend in New York, and she didn't have people that could help her out with that. So she had just been paying for movers ever since she graduated. So I was like, man, this is really, really nice. But also, you know, we get to the situation when you're considering the different factors, right? So time and money are different things that you can consider, but also how far do you have to move? If you're moving to the office across the hall, you probably don't need to hire somebody to take, you know, a banker's box of Manila folders across and move your laptop and plug it in. That doesn't make any damn sense. If you're moving across the country, you might have a really hard time walking that far. And, you know, if you have the situation where there is no freight elevator, then yeah, you might have to hire a crane, right? So you have to kind of think of things in the terms of what's available and what your constraints are. So kind of moving back to where this kind of maps onto different things you might want to get done with your law firm, right? DIY is a great approach. If you're just going to be moving the boxes yourself, and if you guys have ever been in the situation where, you know, maybe you get the keys for your new place a month before and you've got that kind of overlap, then that's a fantastic route for a lot of people. If you can save the money and you don't mind doing the work, that's totally fine. The second thing done with you services, if you get one guy in a truck and you guys are going to go ahead and move all that stuff too, that's a little bit more pricey, but it's going to be a little bit easier. And then finally, you have the done for you situations, which are going to be the least time investment, but are going to be the most money investment. And there are certain problems going to the, you know, 111th floor with no freight elevator analogy. There are some problems that you cannot possibly do on your own. And on those things, you're kind of limited to only done for you stuff. So when we kind of look into this stuff and map it back to things you can get done with your real offering, you have to kind of keep these things into consideration because I really do think there are people that have preferences for certain things. There's a lot of DIYers out there, and I think it can become potentially a limiting place in some ways. But what I wanted to start out with this on this podcast is the people who are overzealous on getting done for you problems. So basically, there's two issues that you can potentially have when you're selecting a program to grow anything, right? And the two problems would essentially be overbuying or underbuying, right? So let's start with overbuying. So the issue is that it's really, really hard to resist because there's kind of like a natural, again, everyone's trying to conserve energy. It's a very, very natural part of uh, you know, the human psyche because who would want to do more? So sometimes people will reach and stretch to financially accommodate something that sounds really, really good. And it's kind of tough because a lot of these programs might be advertising this and how easy it is. And again, it is going to be a lot easier than a done DIY or a done with you solution most of the time. But if you're over investing to do something like this, sometimes the pressure can be really, really dangerous from a business perspective. And I can at least speak to the marketing side of things. If you have too much pressure heading into the consultation room, it's a really, really bad vibe. And sometimes it will drive you insane while it's happening. And then, you know, you're going to be sweating from your palms when somebody steps in the consultation room and no one's going to want to work with somebody like that. So overbuying can be really, really dangerous. And I'll also say this too, even going back to the moving analogy, every done for you service has a do it yourself element. If you're getting the grand piano moved out, you got to let the person into the apartment. You got to call the super at the uh, 111 story penthouse and make sure that your, your times are available, right? 
Um, and again, you can say the same thing for marketing or web design content or even your bookkeeping. So a lot of the times when people overbuy, they start, there's this weird process of rationalization that we've seen where it's like when people are overbuying on things, they want to expect that there's everything that's going to be done for them and kind of ignore that final component. So that's a risk of overbuying. And the thing that's kind of tough is that it's really, really hard to only select for people that are going to be in a position to buy done for you services. And we'll get into some of the, the general costs of these things in a little bit, but um, it's something to really be aware of, right? The second problem is underbuying. So this is mostly a problem that you'll see. You have to be at a certain level but basically, if, if you are in a position to hire something done for you, and you choose to go the DIY route, that could be dangerous. So one of the things that I found super interesting in working with uh, the larger clients that we end up working with is that these guys, especially the most successful ones, they will be paying for speed. And the truth is, a lot of these people have internal staff that are going to be able to figure out process. Whether that's in a month or six months or a year, that's the real question. But the ones that end up making the investment in done-for-you services are generally thinking not in terms of how cheap could I get this done, but what's the opportunity cost of getting this done now versus getting this done in six months or a year. And I'll get into that a little bit later. So one of the big things to kind of think about, and this is how the best firms do think about this. And again, when I say best, I mean the ones that are growing the fastest. You got to think about how big is your problem. So when we're talking about the costs for the financial costs of these different options of moving forward, generally, we'll see DIY stuff be anywhere from, you know, $100 all the way up to the most expensive ones, probably 2000 or so. Done with you programs for legal, and I'll probably say this anchored to most of the stuff I see that's marketed to estate planning clients because it's probably what we're the most um, aware of. Anywhere from five to 15,000 one time, or we've seen monthly programs probably in the range of 1,000 to 2,500 per month. And then when you want to go up to the done for you level, it's generally very, very hard to find done for you marketing services at less than a combined monthly cost of probably three to 5,000. And one thing to really, really keep in mind, uh, I have seen some vendors out there that are really, really cheap on the service side of things, but expensive on a ads side of things. And there's also, I call this like the air quotes, you know, $500 SEO service where it's really designed not to actually make an impact, but to be small enough where you don't see it on your credit card statement until a year later, and you forgot you had the conversation with somebody and it doesn't really do anything, right? But if something's ending up happening, that's less than that likely is not an active person working on that. So I kind of consider that a different thing. But if we're going from these basic numbers, again, this will carry through for ads, PPC, SEO, generally, you know, content stuff. If you want to hire somebody done for you, but you don't have a path that that investment's going to make you $15,000, $20,000 per month, you're not going to hit three to five times minimum ROI. And generally speaking, um, you know, I've had a lot of episodes where we talk about the challenges of defining ROI. But when you, you're running the numbers in your mind, we found that it's, it's kind of a, an area where it's like, you know, I'll spend a dollar to make two. I mean, it seems like a lot of work. It's very hard for people to make the emotional hurdle under that number. Again, if you have a situation where your firm capacity is only such that you could take an additional three or four clients, you know, we have the situation where 100 clients on paper looks really, really cool. But if that were transported and dropped into your lap tomorrow, you'd have an insane amount of workload that can literally kill people's businesses. We've recorded podcasts on this. But yeah, similarly, if on the flip side, you've got something that's going to be generating 15 or 20K monthly, and 
this is what the larger firms think about. If it takes you six months to figure this out on your own versus plugging into something proven that's going to be working in two weeks, then, you know, six months times 15 to 20K is anywhere from 90 to $120,000 that you're not collecting in the next six months. And this is how bigger firms, especially ones that are trying to push that annual revenue number as fast as possible, this is kind of how they think. So the people who do the math on that are going to make those investments. Sometimes people don't, right? So there's a couple different solutions if you've got a goal that doesn't necessarily fit the investment that you need to do it. So the first one is to make bigger goals. And if you've got capacity to fill, you know, increase that. If, if there's only so much that you can do, what, you know, how do you plan for success? How are you able to take advantage of that? And option two would be not to commit as many resources. If you've got something where you're just, you know, again, this is the equivalent of me in college, right? It's like, you know, I got a mattress and a couple of different things. I, you know, I've got 300 bucks in my, in, to, to pay for groceries through the end of the month. I'm going to go DIY, right? If you're in the situation where you're just starting out your firm and you didn't come with a budget to invest in these kind of things, or you've had a couple down months and you're putting from the rough, so to speak, then don't commit as many resources, right? If you just trying to look your for your first five or 10k, like do not invest in done for you services, it's not going to work out for you. And I just don't think anyone in the industry really talks about these things. I'm not going to speculate as to why, but it's something as a consumer, you should be aware of, right? And, you know, generally, if you have a situation, I think like, you know, ultimately, where things get messed up is, you know, there's, you know, this whole phrase, it's, it's if you got a, you know, champagne dreams that on a Budweiser budget, right? Or I don't know, um, moving with a helicopter dreams on a you know, higher, higher moving uh, helicopter for uh, half a pizza and six beers, right? Don't expect to have the benefits of all the done for you service can do for you if you can't afford it, honestly. And if you end up getting the situation where you extend yourself, you got to take responsibility for that. But if you're just doing the equivalent of moving across town, then yeah, spend a couple hundred bucks on a course or research stuff on the blogosphere and do it. And again, it's going to take longer. But if you've got more time than money, that's absolutely the way to do it. And again, over time, if you're listening to this podcast, and you're thinking, I really do want to have done for you stuff done for it, if that's not a financial reality right now, I think it's very, very possible to ladder up on these different things, right? You can invest a couple hundred bucks into a course to learn a traffic style. You know, we've got an awesome one for our LSA course right now that people have been having fantastic success with. Make your first five or 10K and then reinvest that into something done with your done for you, right? This is how you intelligently bootstrap these things. But realize that you might have to switch your preferred way of doing things as you get more means. Or if you've got more money, chances are you've got less time because you're servicing more clients. So staying in the DIY brain space will be challenging. So it all kind of comes down to accurately assessing how big your goals are, will they finance what you're trying to get done, and what kind of resources do you have to commit for stuff. Again, this is kind of like, you know, the time of the year where we're starting to think about these things. Maybe we're meeting with some vendors. And I want you to just kind of keep that in mind. So for between now and next time, take a look at what you're trying to do with your firm. Ask yourself, is this option do it yourself, done with you or done for you, and consider ultimately whether the juice is worth the squeeze and what you have available. So I hope that's been helpful. And I will see you guys next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode. 